Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Singled Out. This week we're covering the very requested topic of how to deal when younger siblings get married first. Even if you haven't had experience in this topic personally, I'm sure most of us can understand the hardships that come with this territory. Thank you for those listeners who sent in examples of those hardships and questions that really helped shape today's episode. Some of the difficulties surrounding this conversation that came up were dealing with the conversation piece at every meal now becoming centered around that sibling's wedding, being happy for a sibling when in reality it's crushing this is happening for them first, responding to the hundreds of soon-by-you comments at the sibling's wedding itself, and so on. These are all concerns which today's guest and former high school teacher of mine, Miriam Bornstein-White, addresses. When this topic was suggested, I immediately thought of Miriam for a few reasons. The first and more obvious is that she's had personal experience in this area, having had two younger siblings get married before her, after having been in the dating game herself for many years. But the second was because even through experiencing this, Miriam was always someone who made sure to maximize her singlehood years, who found growth even in the really painful parts of it who made sure to have a crazy amount of fun and put herself out there. For example, taking stand-up comedy courses. Come on, how many Orthodox Jewish women can you say you personally know pursued comedy for a bit? Don't worry, I made sure to add the link in the description below. But more than that, her ability to be open about it with others just made her so real and relatable. The messages she gives over in this episode are timeless. I say that because even if you've never had his younger sibling get married before you, the messages she gives over in this episode go way beyond dating and marriage. I'll also just add that her dating stories at the end are great, so make sure that you stick around for those at the end for a good laugh. So we'll get started and I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome, Miriam, to Singled Out. Thank you so much for being here to discuss today's topic, which is how to deal with younger siblings getting married first. So, Miriam, I'm going to embarrass you for just a little bit. <laughs> but for me personally, I was actually really fortunate to have Miriam as a teacher in high school. And we've been even more fortunate to be able to stay in touch after. And I'll just share that I reached out to her on multiple occasions for personal guidance and advice and always find that I gained so much from speaking to her. It's still true now, but in high school, you were definitely that teacher that people were just drawn to because of your authenticity, because of your warmth, and also your humor. And if I can just end with saying that singlehood definitely has its ups and its downs for sure. For me, seeing, if I can say this, seeing how well you handled your singlehood years is something I think about a lot when I'm struggling in this era of my life now and just remembering how positive you were then and are now and always filling your time with fun, new adventures and looking for areas to grow in was was then and is really now very, very much inspiring. So thank you so much for setting that example for me. And I'm really excited to get to share your awesomeness with our listeners today. So thank you. Thank you, Zahava. That's uh, quite a humbling (laughs) intro. I'm sure my mom will appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure she'll be shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Really, it was I who benefited having you as a student and now as a close friend. Really a pleasure to be doing this with you and uh, really co-accommodate. I think this is an amazing initiative. So excited to be here and excited to share some good stories. You have the best stories, so... 
definitely excited to get into that. So if you can just maybe introduce yourself a bit and tell us who you are and what you've been up to. So my name is Miriam Bornstein White. I was privileged to teach um, at Central where Zahava and I first met. I uh, recently just made Aliyah uh, with my husband and my then four-month-old son. Thank God he is eight months now. We are very blessed to be living in Yerushalayim and really just taking the year right now to settle and acclimate to our new surroundings. Okay, so maybe you can tell us how long were you dating before you got married? I've been dating for about 12 years. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I started dating at 21 and got married at 32. And what did you find to be the hardest part about singlehood, if you can remember? Obviously, there were many challenges and, uh, you know, different ups and downs. I think for me, it was wanting to be at the next stage of life, wanting to find that someone and settle down, you know, and start that new stage. The conflict of when I was ready for it and when Hashem told me, like, he was ready for me to be ready for it, it was a little bit different. So I think that that was probably a very, you know, big struggle. I definitely hear that, that, like, struggle contending with just because I want it now doesn't mean I get to have it right now. That could be really hard. Right. And not, like not knowing exactly when it was going to happen or if it was going to happen, trying to keep in mind that you could be hopeful and, and want something and also be humble to recognize that there is a greater plan. What would you say was the best part of singlehood? Definitely developing as an individual and uh, getting to know myself better and better as the years went on. You know, I always thought to myself that a big dream of mine was to find a husband and to settle down and start a family. Alongside that major dream, I had a lot of other dreams as well to pursue my career in teaching, to travel, do some stand-up comedy, you know, things that... <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe we should add a link to that in uh, the podcast notes, because that's awesome also. Yeah, I, like, I, I got like 4,000 votes. Like, come on, people, I need like another... Uh, <laughs> that's couple, so pretty impressive. More, so. I think that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I feel like in the Jewish world, it's impressive, you know? Yeah, because we're like, like oh, point of... 4, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So different, you know, passions and different things that I got to pursue, which I'm not sure I would have had the time to do if I had been able to pursue my dream of getting married. Thank you for sharing those. It's interesting to note certain themes that I'm picking up in different people that I interview. And for most of the very positive and high energy women that I have on, that certainly a theme is maximizing their time, using it to develop themselves and do things that they really love and enjoy. Moving into today's topic, would you mind giving us some background into your family dynamics, where you fall amongst your siblings, and what your relationship with your siblings is like? Yeah, sure. So I am the oldest of five. We're four girls and a boy. I'm the oldest. Then my brother comes under me, and then I have three sisters. We are pretty differently spaced, meaning um, my brother and I are three and a half years apart. Then my sister and I are five years apart. My next sister are eight years apart. And my youngest sister were 12 years apart. So the dynamic was always funny growing up just because I was always like at a different stage than they were. So I would say that it took till I was a little bit older to really become very, very close with my sibling. But then as we got older, we became friends. Did you guys start dating around the same time or were you the first one that started dating? Yeah, so I was the first one who started dating. I'd even add in my larger family, I was the first cousin and oldest cousin. So I was really dating when... Nobody else in my family was even thinking about dating. Yeah, because I like if you think about it, I was 21 and my brother was like 16. 
Got it. Or okay, yeah. 17. So, so, like, he wasn't really ready to uh, start dating. And my cousins were all younger as well. So, for me, it was like a very new adventure. And yeah, I had already been dating a number of years before any of my siblings were seriously thinking of dating. Did any of them feel pressure to wait? to start dating until you got married? Was that like a discussion you guys had or that was felt? So I don't think so. Because I had been dating for a long time, again, like thinking about it from my personal family perspective, let's say even when my sister started to date. So I was already 25 and my sister was 20. Mm-hmm. So in a certain way, I don't think that even it would have been fair to her to say like, oh, I'm just going to wait it out. Right. Until my sister finds somebody just because it already had been some time that I was already involved in dating. It's it's interesting, I guess, different families have different dynamics where I've like spoken to friends that the vibe is very much that it's a source of tension if the you know, the oldest sibling isn't married yet and siblings do feel like they have to wait. But I, I hear you, like if they're already at an age where they're ready to, is it fair necessarily to wait? So every family I guess has different approaches to that. So your younger siblings got married first. So had like what was the order of how things transpired there? So my brother got married first. I was about 27, 28 years old. About a year or two later, my sister got married. So I was 30. And actually, when I got married, my other sister was already seriously dating and, you know, got engaged. And we we basically got married in the same year. If you wouldn't mind just pausing here, I'd love to just ask you about what that experience for you was like. I mean, memory is one of those funny things that Baruch Hashem, it's a blessing that we don't usually remember so much of the pain of something we experience when we're past it. And I know you've been married for a few years now, but if you can try and tap into that time when your brother and then sister got married, do you remember what you were experiencing emotionally in those few years? So I remember that my brother did start dating seriously. There was almost a sense of like, wow, is it going to happen for me? Or I wonder if he's going to get married before me. I wouldn't say there was a competition, but it almost feels that way, like almost like a pressure now. Like to rush to the finish line. Yeah. Is it going to be that he gets married before me? And what is that going to feel like? And what is that going to be like? He was actually very sensitive when things started to get very serious and he knew that he wanted to get engaged and move forward with his relationship. He he asked for my permission uh, to do so, which was something that was really sensitive and and really thoughtful. I remember we had a conversation about it. And of course, I I said, you know, for sure. And we're so lucky that you found your wife and you know, that you're going to bring her into the family. But I think that was the first time in my life that I experienced something that I think helped me through what I was going to experience when my sister got married and something that I still hold very, very much a, a major lesson in my life even now, which is that in life, you could really feel two things at the same time. Sometimes that's a really important thing to recognize that you could feel so happy for someone else and you could feel like this is the right thing and this is a great thing. Um, and at the sem- same time, feel horrible about where you're at and you know, why things are moving forward for you and feel a sense of despair, like, will this ever actually happen for me? Yeah. Um, and the duality of that feeling was so strong that I, I still think about it today not in that context, but that there are a lot of times in my life where I could feel two things at the same time. I could feel very happy about something and also I could feel very disappointed or I could feel angry. And it makes it a real raw emotion that sometimes just needs to be validated. 
And I, I definitely remember feeling that way when my next sibling got married for me, which was, I was so happy and so excited for my sister to also be married. And then also really feel like my third sister going to get married before me is my youngest yeah. sister going to get married before me. So that was a very important lesson for me to know that you could experience two things at the same time. So was it a discussion with the first sister who got married also? There was definitely a discussion with sisters in general. There's a closeness and a bond. So there was always discussion about the relationship and sharing and talking. So it was very apparent to me that their relationship was moving towards getting engaged and getting married. So I, I knew it was coming, even though my brother and I were very close. It wasn't necessarily that type of relationship where he was sharing all the de details of the relationship. Right. So when it came down to him deciding that he wanted to get married, that was like a discussion. I want to share with you and ask your permission while my sister kind of like we were there together through it all. Just different dynamics. If I can just talk about that discussion, because it's something that I find also something which is very interesting because... It, like that talk, you know, addressing an older sibling about something which is a little bit sensitive and that they're ready to move into and they want to make sure your feelings are taken into account. It's a little hard because on the one hand, like, are they really asking your permission so much as like, I want you to hear it from me. Can or really should you say no? You know, it's like a funny dynamic, but that is something that you felt like you appreciated is him talking to you personally about this. 100%. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think also each family has their own unique dynamic. So yeah. I mean, I can only share with you my personal family dynamic. It, it doesn't mean that if your family dynamic is different, I'm not in any way saying that my mm -hmm. dynamic was the right way. It just was the reality of what I experienced. I do think that having a conversation and not making it into the elephant in the room is something that definitely worked for, for me. I know that I was somebody who would appreciate someone coming and just almost like ripping off the bandaid and saying, I know that this might be difficult for you, but we really want to move forward. And would it be okay if we get engaged versus keeping a little bit more hush hush and then finding out from my parents, the moment's going to going to come. But it is really delicate. And for each person, it has to be dealt with sensitively based on the family dynamic that they're in. For sure. Yeah, I definitely hear that. It's funny. I, one person who I actually spoke to before doing this episode, I spoke to a number of people who submitted, you know, different feedback and questions. And she said also that in her personal family, her younger sister specifically did not include her in a lot of the details because they wanted to be sensitive and protect her from whatever feeling she might be experiencing. And she actually found that to be harder to feel like I'm on the outs and I'm finding out secondhand from the parents, from friends. So you're right. I think it is subjective. Some people might want that. For sure. I think communication is also the key. As sensitive as we want to be, we never know how it's going to come across to the other person. So it could be that we think we're being sensitive by having conversations and including people in the planning and whatnot. Yeah. And if the person feels it's overwhelming and it's too much, so then I would say also communication is key and saying, listen, I love you. I'm happy that you're at this stage, but like, I need some space, you know, it's too much for me, or, mm -hmm. and I can't handle it. Or if you feel that you're being cut out of something to also speak up and just say, I love you. And I know that you're trying to protect me, but I want to be involved because, you know, I want to be there for you. And by you cutting me out, I, I feel more alienated. So it's hard because those are conversations that we don't necessarily want to have or that we feel yeah. comfortable having. But in the long run, I think that it creates a healthier environment for siblings. So that actually leads in nicely to my next question, which was what do you feel like maybe younger siblings could do to be sensitive? And I, I think communication in general is definitely key because you never really know what the other person's thinking or what they want. And if you're trying to be sensitive to them, you should let them tell you, you know, what it is that they want and what would be helpful. Are there other things you might advise younger siblings? 
that could help with that sensitivity? I think in general, just just being interested in where they are in their lives is really important. You know, not making everything around the wedding or recognizing that like you still look up to them and you still feel they're your older sibling yeah um, and you still turn to them and you still look to them they're going to feel what they're going to feel but the fact that they feel that their sibling still cares for them still loves them I think is something that is uh, is really important I don't know if other people would relate to this but I felt a little bit like when my younger siblings were getting married before me that I actually lost my place in the family like I almost felt like, yeah, I was like the, always the oldest and the first one to do everything. I had, right. you know, my bat mitzvah first. I went to Israel first. I started college first. Oh, Miriam's starting to drive. Miriam's starting to date. And it was always like this excitement about I'm the oldest, so I'm going to start the family off in the next stages of, of life. And then things didn't necessarily work out for me that way. You know, my brother who got married first I was the one to start the siblings off in the next stage of our family, getting married and whatnot, I almost felt like, oh, he has an experience in life that I don't have. This is like a funny dynamic. When my younger siblings are going to get married, are they going to come to me or they're going to come to my brother because he had that experience? Same Mm -hmm. thing followed with my sister. And in general, it almost felt like a funny place for me. Like, where do I fall out in the family now? During certain family events, I would be grouped with uh, siblings mm-hmm. that weren't married, which in a way was sometimes a blessing in disguise because I think I got to know them in a way that maybe I wouldn't have known them had I gotten married earlier. Right. I felt that way also with my larger family. When we'd go to my aunts or uncles who live in the neighborhood for Shabbos, my siblings that were married sat at a table with their spouses with, let's say, we call the adult table. Yeah, adult kids table. And, <laughs> and I was on the kids table, which obviously the food is obviously always better at the kids for table. Sure. And the discussion is always always better at the kids table just like it's It's fun it's light it's not about like heavy adult stuff right exactly so it was wonderful and I think I also got to know my cousins better who are going through high school who are going through things just because like I was there and I was able to really focus in on them but yeah then you begin to start questioning what's my place in the family sometimes it felt like my younger siblings were older than me at certain points Mm -hmm. even though age-wise I knew I was much older than them just they had experienced certain things in their life that I hadn't. I remember feeling always very comfortable or I felt my siblings were being very sensitive when they kind of just showed we still respect you and and your place. But that was always something that was very, very helpful and, and something that mattered a lot. And I'd even say that sometimes if I was even being irrational or I was being a little bit difficult about a situation, even having a sibling recognize, okay, she just needs her space and not making like a big deal around it, sometimes also just diffuse tension. And then I can't say that all the time, but sometimes I would come around and be like, okay, I'm not being very easy right now or uh, making a bigger deal. And so then I was able to come to them. So a little bit of give and take, meaning recognizing sometimes a sibling who's older needs some more space and sometimes also recognizing that, you know, they just want to feel like they still have a place in their, you know, in your family. Right. At different times you're going to need or want different things, even though they might want to be included. There might be times when they're like, okay, but this is a lot. I mean, I don't have any younger siblings that, you know, got married first right now, but I remember my brother got married. The wedding is like, it takes over most of conversations that you're going to have about 
guests and planning. And I agree that I think it's nice to try and be mindful. From the few different people I've been speaking to about this, it became very clear there's a difference for most people, not everyone, but between when brothers get married first that are younger and sisters. Because again, I don't have any sisters, always wanted. A lot of my (laughs) friends who have sisters kind of put it, one person put it really interestingly where she said, you're not always necessarily each other's best friends, but you're also not not best friends because you just share this bond and you've gone through so much and you know each other at a much deeper level than almost anyone else really does. So I'm curious if you felt like there was a difference between when your brother got married and when your sister got married. So definitely, I mean, you know, when a brother gets married, so like the joke is all a groom has to do the day of his wedding is show up. up. (laughs) Even with the best sister-in-law in the world who wants to include you and bring you in and part of the wedding, it's still a little like far removed because all the the major planning and a lot of the details are either being taken care of on her side. And even when your parents and brother are working on their parts of the wedding, it's not necessarily like the the entire family is included. Right. I think as the wedding got closer, your brother has enough rough and depending on like your family men hug him and whatnot. So it becomes a lot bigger and a lot more real versus when a sister gets married, like you said, the conversation that you have in the household is always surrounded about the wedding. I guess just that closeness that sisters might have a lot more sharing with like how you're feeling and what you are expecting and your questions or you're nervous and you know just having a built-in best friend in your mm-hmm. house you're blessed to have that type of relationship with your sister so that's actually a uh, a difference again this is just something personal the way that it happens in my life it happened to be that when my sister got engaged that year I was actually taking a year off of work and I was going to Israel to study Tanakh in a school Matan where they had a special program called Eshkolot happened to be that that's where I met my husband oh. um, in, the, in that year it wasn't a you know Disney fairy tale where like I met him that year and then I got married the year I got back <laughs> we met that year but it took a while until we started dating we dated for a while ups and downs all around so for me I was actually out of my house for a lot of my sister's wedding planning and things like mm-hmm. that so I was there for the engagement basically went to Israel and flew back for the wedding which kind of also took me out of the equation a little bit. And in retrospect, when I think about that, it was actually very helpful during that time. When I got to the wedding, it was like really my first encounter to a certain extent of like, oh, wow, my younger sister is getting married. The reason I bring it up also is there was something that very much helped me, which was that I concentrated on a very big passion of mine. And I developed it this like that year. And that was learning and expanding my knowledge of Tanakh. So I even felt that when I came back for the wedding, the questions might have been like, oh, so great to see you and Mirza Shem by you. Mm-hmm. But it was always followed with, how's Israel and how's your learning going? And tell me about the program that you're in. So I was able to kind of bury in the you know, Mirza Shem by you comment and say, oh, Israel's wonderful. And my program's you know, magnificent and have a real conversation. And I also felt people saw me not as, oh, Nebuch, you're the oldest sister not married but they were able to see me as someone who was pursuing a dream and they were curious about it so that was also very helpful but I can't say that you know one was more difficult than the other my brother it was the first time that that was happening to me and then once I had done it once so the second time around I had already kind of learned how to dance not literally at the wedding but you know (laughs) 
figuratively yeah. my emotions and how I was feeling. And it definitely did help that like I had also that personal piece of developing one of my dreams. No, I, that's actually a really interesting um, point that you made because in retrospect, maybe that gap year came at a really great time for you to pursue something you really wanted to and also maybe kind of removed you from being too up close to what was going on around you. I think single is like the time to be working on developing yourself and throwing yourself into passion projects and things that you want to do. I love that that became a new talking piece for other people also because we'll get to it. But one of the things that people actually lamented to me a lot about is the pity looks, you know, and how people respond to you. <laughs> it's and it's hard, you know, especially at the wedding. So I think that's great that you took that time and had that outlet to be busy with something really great and develop yourself in. So, Thank God. Yeah. There's a few questions that people submitted. So, yeah, so I'm just going to quote from what this person sent in because I thought she actually worded it really poignantly. She said, there are days that it hurts so bad when I don't know what to do. My sister is four years younger than me and never had to contemplate shidduch dating, whereas I've been on a ton of awful dates. It feels like he was handed to her on a silver platter. I don't want anything to be hard for her, but it's hard not to compare your experiences to a sibling. How do you answer the difficult question of why do certain things happen so easily for them and why are they so challenging for me? Uh, it's a great point and it's a great question. I'll go back to that idea that you can always feel two things at once and that that pain and that fear of like this might not ever happen for me, but it seems to be happening so easily for others is real, but it doesn't necessarily have to take away from the fact that, you know, you're happy for your sibling to have found the right person and to be in that scenario. And sometimes what I think a little bit about is if the roles were reversed, if you were the younger sibling and your older sibling found somebody right away and mm. everything worked out for them, you'd be so happy and you'd be that super happy younger sister, so excited that their older sibling was getting married. And it, in essence, that's still who you are, even when you're the older person, but it doesn't take away from the fact that you feel that pain and that you feel that discomfort. In addition, I'll say this is just something in general in life, doesn't have to just do with dating, but I think it's a plague that we do to ourselves as part of human nature, which is to compare. It's so easy to compare and to say, look at my life, look at this person's life. It's so easy to point out the the parts that we wish we had in other people's lives. It doesn't just stop in dating. It'll continue even once you get married. So you could be at your own wedding and you could be like, well, why is my wedding 10 people yeah. in a backyard when other people yeah. had massive weddings? And then it goes even on to like having children. Why does this couple find that they can have children so easily? And for this other couple, it's very difficult. So it is human nature and it's so normal to compare. I think that the challenge is to rise above human nature, which is always difficult and always takes time, but to limit our comparing to others. And with that point said, we function as human beings in the here and now, meaning that we experience what we experience in the moment. But in a way, what we have to do is sometimes take a step back and also look at the bigger picture. So in the moment, you have tremendous pain. And in the moment, you feel like nothing in my dating life is working out. And in the moment, you see that your siblings have a much, much easier time. And that hurts. And you validate that. And you say... I really do feel hurt in, in this moment. And again, this is not easy, but what I think you have to do, and I know that I did, sometimes is you step outside that for a second and you just start thinking and you say, okay, let's talk 10 years down the line. My sister got married, things worked out great. This was wonderful for her. 
And now look at me. I also got married. I also found somebody. And even though my journey to get there was really difficult and there were a lot more challenges, but I'm so happy because I found the right person I was supposed to be with. And almost if you can travel time back and forth, your future self would come back and say to you, don't worry. I, I understand the pain that you feel right now, but you're going to see that as things move forward, you too are going to feel that happiness and feeling of finding the right person. And even though it's not in the here and now, don't sacrifice or don't miss the opportunity to be happy for a sibling. And although this also might even be a morbid thought, oftentimes we might ask these questions in the specifics of what's bothering us. So in this case, getting married, but you don't know what goes on in the future couple of years between you and your siblings in terms of what life throws at you. That's the scariness of comparing. In the here and now, we can compare and say, well, why does this sibling get so easy when it comes down to dating? But like, how do you know that a few years down the line, there's not going to be a challenge that they're going to face that you're going to look and say, why do they have that challenge? And I don't have that challenge. So I think it's also important to recognize the here and now has to be validated. There's pain. There's a lot of despair. There's a lot of hurt. But when you remove yourself and you take yourself out of that, I think that ultimately you you can recognize that the more I compare, it doesn't do me any good. And that who's to say that future, I'm going to feel the same way. I love that point that you made about stepping outside yourself. If I'm struggling with something and the person I'm looking at, I'm comparing myself to isn't, it gets very easy to then have that person's one success and there that I'm struggling with be the be on end all of like everything is easier for them you know this whole thing and I mean just sharing with you personally what I try and do is think about other areas that I know that I've been succeeding in and that, that come easier to me and that I know that they struggle in and like you said you can't compare because everyone's on a different journey with what they have to experience the one pushback I'm curious about what you would say to that Baruch Hashem, you have the gift of having that retrospection now because you know that things worked out for you now. And I think the hardship of stepping outside yourself is there is always that lingering question of, I don't know that I can bank on the future yet because I don't know that I'm going to find that person or when that's going to be. So if you are single, how would you advise someone, I guess, to step outside themselves and what should they tell themselves if they feel like they can't cling to that future image of something that hasn't filled in yet, if that makes sense? No, 100%. I mean, I would say that if a prophet came to each and every one of us and said, like, yeah. you're going to be married to this person at this time, and you're going to live happily ever after, even if we're not necessarily ecstatic about the timeline they give us, the yeah. fact that we know it's going to happen makes us sleep at night. Yeah. So I agree. When you don't know that it might ever happen for you, you, you kind of feel that panic or you kind of feel that angst. I would say the following. I mean, Personally, for me, I felt this way even before I was married, meaning I'm not just telling you this as someone who got married and now I can look back in retrospect. Right. I remember that when I was feeling hurt and I was feeling challenged by the fact that a younger sibling was getting married before me, I did this time warp and I said, all right, am I really upset about the fact that they're getting married? And I'm like, no, not at all. I'm very happy. And I said, if they were my older sibling, I'd be ecstatic. Let's say I am married and now I look back at how I acted you know, towards my sibling who was getting married and I wasn't fully invested. Would I regret it? And I said to myself, I would regret it. Okay, so that means I'm going to be as happy as I can. I'm going to put my best foot forward. The pain might still linger in there, but I'm going to push it off to the side. And now looking back at it, I can only say I made the right decision. Yeah. And I don't know if there is a right decision. Dynamics are a big piece of it, you know, and, and people have to know themselves if they feel it's too much and they need the space and they have to step back from it all. 
but I would advise any single person who doesn't have any prospect at the moment, you know, of either having someone that they're dating or know that they're going to be getting married and they're challenged with the fact that a younger sibling is getting married and all the hype in their families around the sibling, maybe try to play this time game and say, if I am married within five years, how would I feel knowing that I didn't fully celebrate the fact that my sibling was getting married? Life is a big picture and and a small picture. And although you can only see the small picture, I guess we have to envision or think about what the big picture could possibly be Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes make our decisions in the small picture that way as well. No, I appreciate that. That having been said, do you feel like you had an easier time dealing with the third sister who got married once you were already, you said you guys got engaged around the same time. So was that that easier? Was that harder in some ways? I'm curious what that felt like. Yeah. So in that particular case, it's funny. I mean, I was already in a serious relationship when my third sister started to date. <laughs> there was always a piece in the back of my mind was like, if this relationship doesn't work out for me, so then that means that <laughs> she's going to get married before I do. So, right. I, I mean, I'll, I'll share with you again, the, the plague of comparison, yeah. uh, which was a little bit of human nature. But, you know, again, looking back at it as something that was so unhealthy. I, I was in a, thank God, great relationship with the person that I was developing that wonderful feeling of love. He was everything that I was hoping for. And our relationship was moving forward. Then my sister started dating and we started to compare notes a little bit, meaning my sister would come home and say, oh, you know, we just went on this date and he planned X, Y, and Z. And now I was like in the back of my head, I'm like, well... my guy did a DMX, Y, and Z. I'm like, there we, we never did a date like that. Um, so I was like, that's interesting. She'd come home and be like, oh, you know, like he got me this wonderful gift. And I'm like, my guy got me a gift from like a convenience store. And like, this one is an expensive gift. Why is he spending more money on her? And then the comparison game started going on and it was so unhealthy because I started doubting, is this really the right person for me? Why can't he be planning dates like this person's planning date? There was a moment where I had to <laughs> step out, tie myself, and be like, all right, Miriam, get over yourself. You have a perfect person standing in front of you. You're in a great relationship. Just because you're impressed with the dates that your your sister went on doesn't mean that there's anything wrong in, in your relationship. I think that in a certain way, there was an excitement so much for my sister to be dating and to be trying to find that right person. But there was also a fear in the back of my head. Well, what happens if my relationship doesn't end up working out and hers does? How will that make me feel? Which just goes to show, and I think human nature like how sometimes crazy we can be that you're saying and I was in a great relationship and I was happy and it was going well and we can so often jeopardize that by looking at someone else even when we're in a even more in the situation that we wanted you know to just be looking over our shoulder and question it because it's not what they have a hundred percent and even feeling confident and secure in my own relationship that takes time and that Mm -hmm. takes experience and that takes the two of us to to really develop until you get engaged and get married and move the relationship forward you always have these doubts in the back of your head is this really the right person is this the one which in and of itself is a whole other discussion if there really (laughs) is the one you know kind of thing but second you start taking yourself out of that whole crazy comparison game and you start realizing what you do have 
you're like, wow, I'm so blessed and I'm so lucky. I don't have to be stupid to <laughs> expect everything or feel like just because somebody else has it good or just because somebody else has something different doesn't necessarily negate or make what you have any less. So that's what you felt like came up with dating. At her wedding, was that a very different experience than your other two siblings' weddings? Well, yeah, it was a totally different experience because I had already been married for a few months. For the first time, I was going to a wedding of a sibling with my husband, you know, versus my other siblings. I didn't know if getting married was going to be in the cards for me or if I was going right. to find the right person just because I had been dating for so long and finding no success. Right. Okay, last question that was submitted. And then if we have time, just a few personal uh, singlehood uh, questions. Yeah. Great to answer. Yeah, of course. So the last question that was submitted was, the day of the sibling or relative simcha itself is almost always filled with annoying, well-meaning, or sometimes just downright insensitive comments from others. How do you answer people's mazel tovs, soon by use from strangers, from family, friends, or from your own tearful parents? What's the best way to respond? So there, no, there isn't a best way to respond. Each person's going to respond with their own style. If you want to respond with humor, you can respond with humor. If you want to, you know, to just say thank you, smile, and like roll your eyes. <laughs> if you want to have a tally with another sibling, how many times are you going to hear from Ritha Shem by you? And, right. you know, whatever, whatever your way of coping, whatever your way of, of dealing with it is fair game. Personally, it never, it never bothered me the quick, like, I'm Ritha Shem by you. You know, like, <laughs> It was something that just rolled off the tongue of people. I was already expecting it. Honestly, if the person's going to say it, okay, from your mouth to God's ears, you know, right. like <laughs> people would say like, Yeshuos Keherifias, salvation comes at the blanket of an eye. And I'd be like, yeah, God has something stuck in his eye, you know? Um, it's a long so like, blink. <laughs> yeah, a long blink. Literally putting a solution in his eye to get out whatever it's like in there. There were other times I was much more gracious, like people would come in soon by you and you know, I'd smile and say thank you and just ask them like, oh, how are you? How are the kids? How are this? You'll be able to deflect it. Sometimes they're going to hit you hard and sometimes you'll be able to just deflect. I have a memory of a well, well-meaning relative of mine, particularly after a chuppah of a younger cousin who got married, came over and just said, you know, it's going to happen for you one time. I know it's going to happen. And there was like a sincerity there, which was appreciated, but just wasn't the time and and place and already it was after many many years of dating and not having success my two siblings already being married and our younger cousins getting married and even though this well-meaning relative at the time I didn't think I was going to respond so strongly I remember just starting to say thank you and just starting to cry and the person realized and said oh I'm so sorry I didn't mean to and I said no no it's it's fine it's fine and I just had to kind of like excuse myself um, and the moment was what the moment was. The person came over to me afterwards and says, I, I really didn't mean to. And I said, listen, really, I I'm not upset at you. That was just my raw reaction. Like you just uncovered cord, you know, yeah. what I was really feeling. You know, was it the right thing for me to break down right then and there? I don't know. It just, it kind of just happened. It wasn't one of my favorite moments. It's not like a memory that I think back on, you know, saying, oh, great moment there. <laughs> um, but it just, it, you know, it just was. And I think in general, we have to be sensitive people and we have to recognize we're dealing with neshamas here and each neshama is different. I think if we treat every human being with respect and dignity, regardless of what we say regarding the matter, if we really show someone that we care about them and that we're really thinking about them, you know, the people who were trying to set me up and, and thinking about me when they say, it didn't sting. Because you know they meant you know, it. Yeah, the lady who like sat next to me in shul who wore too much perfume looked at me like aging away in the women's balcony when she'd said like, I'm you, sweetie. I'm you. I'd just be like, oh, come on. Right. You, don't, you don't even know me. You're yeah. just saying it. It's annoying. Each person's response is different. Thank you for sharing that. A real emotional response. It almost sounds like you maybe yourself didn't even expect 
expect that to be the response. Yeah. And there sometimes is no right or wrong response, just how we act in the moment, just to kind of own that. And okay, yeah, sometimes I'm going to cry. And we don't always have the luxury of getting to put on that polished plastic response of like, thank you, thank you. You know, it does hurt. And thank you for sharing that, that sometimes it is just letting it out. So moving on now to the singlehood questions. Yeah. Woo. Feeling like, ready to mingle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> questions on your singlehood experience. If you could go back in time, mm-hmm. tap into a really sad, dark moment of a time when you were struggling with singlehood, what would you tell yourself? I would say feel what you feel, let it out. And tomorrow's a new day. And I mean, if a futuristic self of me could come back and say like, you're going to find the right person, you're going to get married, it's all going to be fine. Obviously it eases the angst, but if that wasn't a possibility, I mean, I would, you know, in those moments of real pain and in real hurt, cry it out eat your cookie dough, feel the pain of it, but no, like dust yourself off the next morning and, you know, start again. I mean, it just, I I just think like it's life. Unfortunately, these things don't go away after singlehood, meaning even when you're married, please God, it would be wonderful because you get to spend the life with a person that you respect, admire, love, but there are challenges, a lot of challenges you face as a couple. And so any time in your life, any stage in your life that you're going to feel pain, you have to acknowledge the pain and that pain is real. But the message I would tell myself at any stage that I feel that dark pain, like feel it, let it out of your system, start with hope like the next day that things are going to get better. Right. I almost giving yourself a tool for life of, you know, not just in rest of marriage, but always to try and approach everything you're struggling with in that way. Yeah, in a way, I kind of feel like singlehood prepares you for some of the really big challenges that you face in later stages and the married stage and, you know, the parenting stage and and anything, you know, this is real stuff. This is not just something that just happened in your 20s. These are foundations that you're building for your entire life. Like you said very well, they become the tools for having to navigate life later on. Did you have any specific outlook or approach to dating? And if so, what was it? I always felt that everyone was worth a cup of coffee. I know that that's become a phrase that a lot of people use. Meaning um, like you wouldn't say no to people? Very seldomly. I did say no to people. I think I really felt it was a complete mismatch. Mm-hmm. In general, I always felt like you don't know. You, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's worth giving people a try. At worst, it's a funny story that you can share with others. And at best, it's someone that can touch your life or even better than that. It's somebody that is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. That being said, it wasn't like I was being flooded with suggestions either. You know, there was definitely times in my dating career where very few suggestions came in. (laughs) There were times in my dating career where I was I don't mind sharing this, like dating multiple people at once. (laughs) Can you share this with Max? What was your max at one point? Three people. You were juggling three people? (laughs) Oh my God. I wouldn't say juggling as like I was in serious <laughs> relationships with any of them. I had right. met one for a cup of coffee on Monday, one restaurant date Wednesday, you know, for a you, third girl, one Thursday. Do you, were you well, ever nervous? Yeah. Like my hesitation with that is like, what if one of them sees me or like, what if I like. Yeah, that was always, that was always the concern or like, did I say this already at the other day? Like, right. I remember conversations and what you had and like mm-hmm. what the names were. And you have to make sure you got the That's right great. numbers down. But um, again, it wasn't anything long term. It was all. Right. like first or second dates that were just overlapped with two or three other people but right. some people are against that I wasn't getting it dates and so when it rains it pours like yeah. if I was going to get three I wasn't going to let them go you know okay. but then you kind of feel really bad when all three don't work out yeah <laughs> like, back to the drawing <laughs> back to the drawing board. right <laughs> yeah. what are three things 
you regret or wish you would have done differently during singlehood? I apologize if this comes off arrogant. I really think that I very much did my singlehood in a way that made me feel good. I felt like I put in a tremendous amount of effort. I feel like I tried a lot of things. In those trials, I found success. And in those trials, I found a lot of failure. I was very vulnerable. I put myself out there in many different capacities, whether it was an uncomfortable meeting by a Sharchan, whether it was sending my profile out and around. And in the moments where I wasn't finding any success, I was honestly developing other passions. I de- this is one thing I would definitely say. I mean, looking back at past relationship, I think I definitely made mistakes and I definitely had false conceptions. I'm curious if you could share, like generally speaking, was that like things in the relationship, like your approaches to things, like what? Definitely as I got older, so dating also changed a lot. You know, when you start dating when you're in your early 20s, you're so fresh at your your own independence and knowing who you are and what you want and things like that. Yeah. You know, when you're young and you're 20 and like everything's new. So if you meet a new person, so you jump into a relationship and sometimes you figure it out as you grow together. Right. Versus like when you're already a little bit older, you know, I had already developed as a, as a person and you're a little bit more established and bringing in somebody into your life, you know, requires different things. So one of the things that I, I found that in, in developing a relationship, letting somebody in, recognizing that you don't have to sacrifice who you are when you do let someone in is an art and is a dance that isn't always so simple. But when you figure out how to do it, you then think back to yourself, what if I would have done that earlier? Or what if I had done that in a different relationship? For a few years, I think I had a preconceived notion that I was going to find someone and that someone was going to fit perfectly in my life. I don't know if you want to call it wiser, but more experienced, I started realizing, no, that's not how, you know, it's not how it works. It's not a puzzle piece that you just find someone and, oh, it fits. It's a lot of growth. It's a lot of communication. I think someone gave me this mushal once. It's kind of like a, a parable, whatever. It's uh, two rocks coming together and there's a lot of friction sometimes. And you think like, oh, friction's bad. But then ultimately you, you pull apart the two rocks and they're smooth. They both mm. smooth each other out. And recognizing that sometimes relationships or the most meaningful relationships are the ones that sometimes you feel a little bit of friction with, but they're the most meaningful ones because ultimately they make you a better you. So I think that that was something that I learned a little bit later on. Had I had that knowledge earlier on, maybe, you know, things could be different or, you know, who knows? It might, might not have been, but definitely something that I learned in, you know, being in a, in a very real relationship. Yeah, I definitely think we do have this funny notion of it'll just fall into place and there's this, like almost romantic, and sometimes it does for people and that's great. But I do think there's this like romanticized idea that if it's too hard or, it, you know, it's not the right person. That's what I keep hearing from married friends is it's work and it's awesome, but it's work. And it's not just once. You're always working together to work through things, to talk things out, you know, to make things happen. And it's not this, I don't know, like you said, that puzzle piece that once it's plugged in, everything else just runs. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that concept also, like relationships are work. You know, so in my head, I was just like, okay, so if I wanted to eat at this restaurant and he wants to eat at that restaurant, so like. <laughs> We're going to really I'll have like, to talk it out. 
So while I talk it out and I'll step back and let him have his way. But ultimately that's not the type of work you're talking about here. It's, you know, when you're most vulnerable with a person, you share your best sides and your worst sides. When you show your worst sides, you start recognizing like, whoa, I need to work on that. And it's continuous and never, it never ends. Okay. And last section, and I'm so excited for this, is a funny (laughs) dating story, which I don't even know. Oh boy. One, maybe you'll share like one or two, but this is like, this is like your zone. I feel like you have literally the best dating stories. So whichever ones you'd like to share. Thank God. I definitely have a number of uh, good ones. So I'm trying to think like which ones. I mean, I could tell you one that didn't have to do necessarily with dating, but being in the dating time period. And then I could do like an actual dating story. Sure. I was going to Israel on a summer trip and my aunt wanted me to go out with someone who was in Israel. So I said, okay, like I'll be there for two weeks and this is my cell phone while I'm there. And she said, great, let's call this guy, Michael. Michael will give you a call and, you know, you'll go out or whatever. So I was like, great, that's awesome. I put him in my cell phone as just Michael. And I see that he's like an 054 number. As my trip approaches closer and closer, I start realizing like, oh, shoot, how am I going to get from the airport to where I'm staying? I spoke to my dad and he's like, oh, we have this taxi driver that we use when we're there. He can speak. His name is Michael. So I was like, oh, that's funny. And I was just like, okay, so I put down Michael into my cell phone. An organized, normal person would have wrote Michael Taxi, but I just wrote Michael. And I saw he had an 058 number. So I was like, okay, Michael I'm going out with, 054, taxi driver, 058. I get to Israel, call Michael the taxi driver. He brings me to where I need to go. All is well. Michael 054 calls me. We go on our date. One, two, not really shy for either of us. And we part ways happened to be that my parents, we were like swapping vacations. I was now going back to the States and my parents were now coming to Israel. And they said, do you mind just leaving your cell phone with us? And you already ordered it. We'll just extend it. So I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. And I leave it for them. I go back to the States and my parents are now in Israel for like a few days. And now it's time for them to go to the airport and they want to call the taxi driver to take them from our apartment in Netanya, which is an hour away from Tel Aviv. And so they go onto my phone and they see Michael. So they think, of course, oh, Michael's taxi driver. <laughs> so of the two numbers that they could have chosen, obviously my dad obviously. chooses the guy I went out with. So he calls Michael and obviously also like Michael picks up because like it's not always that the person you call picks up. And you know, my dad, my dad is like Spanish. So he has a great accent. So he's like, hello, Michael. So he's like, yeah. He's like, this is Avram Borenstein. He's like, you know, my daughter Miriam. So he's like, yeah, great. I want you to pick me up to the airport, our flight said well we have four suitcases <laughs> let me know if you can do it or whatever he's like um excuse me my dad's like i want you to come to natanya take us to the airport <laughs> four suitcases and uh you know and let me know how much i owe you so michael's like I- i'm sorry i think that there's something wrong he's like you know miriam right so he's like yeah i i dated miriam <laughs> my dad didn't put two and two together so he like screams to my mom Sylvia! what is this that miriam is dating taxi drivers so she's like oh my god my mom realized what happened she's like you're not talking to the taxi driver you're talking oh to the guy gosh. miriam went out with so he's like Oh shoot! <laughs> and then uh, is he like? Really so I guess he hung up with the first Michael. Michael started cracking up. He started realizing what happened, oh, and he was a good sport about it. Were you like mortified when they came back home and told you? Yes, and I was like, <laughs> "Thank God we're in different continents now that and we don't have, have to like bump into each other." So that was one story. This was a date that just was everything possibly could go wrong, and it just went wrong. <laughs> 
I had gotten a suggestion and he called me and our schedules were really busy. And he said, do you want to go out after the Israeli Day Parade? So I said, yeah, I just, I have to go because of work to the Israeli Day Parade, but afterwards I'm free. The Israeli Day Parade for me is definitely not just march down Fifth Avenue. I really get into it. I dance, we sing. It's already like May or June, so it's really hot outside. You know, there's those kind of people who when they dance, like they glow. They just like are like really, like I always felt that way also in dating. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get married. I like dance at a wedding and I look like I just did like a Zumba workout. Because you get so into it, Miriam. You're a passionate dancer. Yeah, that's beautiful, but I did not look beautiful. I look like I was thrown into a washing machine. I'm like, obviously, like those friends who want to do good, but putting you at mixed tables in case you'll meet somebody. I literally smell like a gym locker. Like anything that I did to my hair to make it straight, like it's all like. It's gone now. Oh, all gone, all gone. You sit down and you're just like, can you pass the pickles? Like, you're just like, uh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, and then obviously those girls who like come in and they're just, oh, I just dance for like an hour and I'm just glowing. So I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> Mazel tov to you. So I knew that I wasn't one of those, that I was like a sweater and I was just not, you know, not going to be composed. But I came up with this whole idea. After the Israeli Day Parade, I would go find a bathroom in like a local hotel, you know, clean myself up, freshen up and go to where we were meeting at a restaurant. My plan worked out wonderful, danced my heart out at the Israeli Day Parade, found a hotel, freshened up, not to toot my own horn, but like I looked good. So I was walking out to the restaurant and as I was walking, like these horrible looking clouds were just closing in on New York City and it literally felt like nighttime. It was so, so dark. And all of a sudden I got like this buzz on my phone saying flash floods, like warning. I'm like, nah, it can't be. And then literally the biggest bang of thunder, the heavens just like opened up and just water buckets, 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 buckets. I just was a disaster. I looked like I had jumped in a pool and I was just a total, total mess. And then I even looked down, I was wearing a mint colored skirt, which is basically white. So as I looked down, I was wearing dark undergarments and like just see everything through. So I was like, oh my God, this is a disaster. (laughs) Okay. I have to do what I did before, just find a bathroom and just redo myself. So I'm like literally swimming through the streets of New York City and I get to the restaurant. I'm just like, focus, get into the bathroom. Don't look at anyone. Just get yourself together before you go on this date. I see this worker in the restaurant and I just kind of make a beeline to him because I realize that's where the bathroom is. And as I'm getting closer, he starts waving. He's like, no, no, no. And I just like, I'm not really paying attention because I'm just like, I don't want the guy I'm going out with to like see me. I just go straight. Just don't pay attention to anything. Just go, 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 go. And I keep walking. I keep walking and I just start feeling squish, squish 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 on my feet and I look down and there's like brown mush water all over the place and now the workers yell at me I told you not to come here the toilet exploded he's like the bathrooms are closed so now I was literally standing in an inch of toilet poop water all over the the bathroom my skirt is see-through I'm standing in this poop water my (laughs) mascara is running I'm a total disaster and I just hear Miriam and I was like, oh, shit. What? <laughs> so I turn around and there's the guy that I'm supposed to be going out with. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> hi. He's like, wow, is it raining outside? I'm like, there's a flash flood. <laughs> yeah, it's raining outside. I was like, yeah, it's raining outside. He's like, you look great. I, I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, I was just like a total, total mess. So I like sat down at the table. Wait, you know, waitresses are just spraying like air freshener because the it toilet smells was really bad. <laughs> 
It was really bad. We couldn't go outside because it was pouring. So it was like nowhere to walk to. Like things were just like a total disaster. And then to put the cherry on top of this already horrendous state, this guy was just totally not for me. At the end of the meal, I was going to start to bench. And as I'm benching, I just feel like he's staring at me. You feel like still has gaze on you? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, okay, what's going on? I kind of finished benching and I just look up at him. I'm like, what? He's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, you don't know what to do. He's like, I don't know what to do when girls do religious things. So I'm like, what? excuse me? I'm like, what? <laughs> you don't know what to do when girls do religious things? He's like, yeah, it's so attractive. Oh I'm my like, God. Ah! <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. What did you say? What I should have said, I should have been like, oh, you should see my no delacha. <laughs> or like <laughs> you should yeah. watch me dab in front of us right oh my god! <laughs> just watch me bow but like i was just like so grossed out i didn't know what to do i like wanted to vomit first of all that means that you all feel- considering what you said you went through you were still looking pretty good if he was like you know feeling it <laughs> after no, your no. downpour and- this poor boy was desperate and was oh my just god. not doing it someone said like oh it was a pickup line I'm like not the time and not the thing I never wanted to bench again <laughs> oh then he's like do you want me to walk you back to your car I'm like no those were some of the pleasures of dating definitely <laughs> some of the joys Miriam yeah. this is amazing thank you thank you so 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 much for your time and for sharing no with problem us. Open thank with you us. so much for putting together this uh, wonderful initiative and I wish you much success with all the future episodes thank you so so much i'll be in touch thank you guys so much for listening i hope you found today's episode with maria meaningful and relevant and that you got a good laugh in there as always please feel free to stay updated with this podcast on instagram by following us at single doubt 613 and please feel free to reach out with any questions comments on this episode or ideas for future ones 